I found that kind of medium really static. You know, I, 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 I'd find myself sort of disappointed if I paid for a ticket, went to see somebody, and it was almost like a glorified karaoke show. So for me, it was like, how do I represent myself on stage? How do I represent this art on stage? Also from a selfish point of view where I produce a bunch of beats, I'd go to the show and they would perform over one of my beats and I would be waiting for my shout out or maybe I wouldn't get it or maybe that maybe I didn't like what they did over it or maybe, you know, a whole bunch of different things. I was like, I need to figure out a way to represent this art form or what I do in a more maybe visual way or and at the same time contribute to what I kind of saw as like a bit of a, you know, stiff uh, performance medium in a way. Today on the show, we are joined with multi-Juno-nominated producer Fresh Kills. And Fresh Kills is not your average hip-hop producer. He's got a live show that will absolutely blow your mind. And he is somebody who I consider one of the pioneers in the Toronto hip-hop scene. I've known him for a handful of years, maybe almost a decade. And every time we cross paths, it's always been small talk with such mutual respect, such a great guy. And being such a fan of his work, it's so great to have him on the podcast and have him break everything down from his journey, his influences, and how Fresh Kills came to be. And recently, he also just dropped an album titled Disclaimer. Definitely check it out. Has lots of features. And like him, totally unique. I can't say that enough, and that's what makes him so cool. And whether you're hearing about him for the first time right now or have been a longtime fan, I think what's special about this interview is you're going to learn some shit you didn't know as we tap into the heart and soul of Andrew Kilgore, a.k.a. Fresh Kills. But let's get into that right now. Top of the morning to you, though, man. How are you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm contemplating my second coffee. Not sure yet if I want to have one of those, like, borderline anxiety attacks all day so i'm kind of like <laughs> trying to I, to I totally relate to that sometimes i'm like <laughs> oh i need the energy and then after i'm just like all jittery or even getting older now i get like a crazy acid reflex thing going on too and it's like yeah uh, yeah it's, yeah i gotta i gotta temper my my the coffee intake so you know <laughs> facts yeah, but um, big grats on the latest album, uh, Disclaimer. Uh, we're definitely going to get into that. But uh, I kind of want to go back in time a little bit with you, too. Sure, uh, yeah. I always remember, like, around when I moved to Toronto, uh, probably like a decade ago, um, just going to different shows and stuff. I still remember, like, the first time I've seen you, and you were performing live, and it totally just melted my brain and was like something <laughs> I've never seen before it you know it's a just such a unique thing you do um beyond <laughs> like I know lots of people they think of uh, a music producer maybe they think of somebody like in the room on their computer or whatever but uh mm -hmm. you kind of like have this whole experience that you bring to an audience as well and uh, I just want to know like how would you describe yourself because I have a hard time describing what it is that you do yeah it, it's a weird thing because because I you can't really call me a dj but I think also percussionist is, is too reductive too. Mm -hmm. um, so there's been a lot of names. It, it, there's a glossary of names and we haven't really chosen that. No one sort of made it official yet, but 
you know, finger drummer seems to be a term that people use, but again, <laughs> you know, finger drumming is one in, again, one particular skill set. you know, being able to play drums with your fingers on pads, that, that would be one part of what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been called a, a, a pad man. I've been called a, a pad masher was it, was a, was a term used a lot. Um, yeah. you know, it, it definitely was a kind of a, maybe an innovation on the live PA, like live PA used to be the term used for producers that would have gear on stage and be performing productions. Um, so it's probably the next, you know, whatever the next step of that would be, but there's, you know, there really hasn't been a, a, a coined, you know, Webster's dictionary term coined yet for, mm-hmm. for what I, and a, you know, a growing number of, of producers, you know, live producers do on stage. Yeah, that's it's so cool to hear too. And uh like I mentioned too, it's like totally unique. And for somebody who's never seen it before, like it's gonna grab your attention. And uh I know you're kind of like on a lot of bills where it's like hip hop oriented, but also I noticed like within your act too, there's other influences of across all genres. Like I I remember one day you just started busting out like some Led Zeppelin samples and like <laughs> crazy stuff like that too, where yeah. I was just feeling it too. And uh even um, one thing I'm I'm curious about too is like sometimes on the show I'll talk to like comedians or musicians and they have their usual influences. Like if I talk to a guitar player, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, I grew up listening to Metallica, and that made me want to pick it up." Or a comedian will be like, "Oh yeah, I was listening," or like, "I used to watch a lot of Chappelle." What inspired Fresh Kills to get a wall of buttons and do what he does? Oh man. Um... There's probably a couple things. So I, yeah. I was I was making beats on a computer before I had an MPC. I could never afford one for my you know for many years, and uh, I started working in studios as an engineer where the MPC was sort of the center of the production studio for a lot of years. Not just hip hop, but just you know a lot of people that would be the centerpiece, right? And you would control other units from the MPC. So I had to learn how to use it. I had to learn how to, like, I had to, you know, I would have to prep it for producers coming in from out of town. And that's how I sort of got to know the MP. The reason I'm mentioning that is that once I finally got one in my hands, I didn't really need it to make beats. I, I, I already knew how to do that. I had, I've been doing that for years. So my approach to it was very much more like an instrument. And, and I was much more interested in sort of getting on the pads and trying to figure out what that interface how that interface would change what I was going to do, right? In, in the same mm. in the same way that a guitar, if you're playing a guitar, that's going to influence you know the, your your chords and what what you're going to play, what what's going to come out of you. Your interface changes what the output is to some degree. And so, when I had the MPC, I really was for me it was about getting on the pads and seeing what that was going to do for me. Like how how would I approach music differently? So. That be that was sort of the first part of it, from a technical standpoint, how I approached it. But then also, as a producer and, and a beat maker, you know, going to shows and watching hip hop shows, hip hop live hip hop can be very static, unless you're you know you know if you're at a Roots show maybe like you're seeing the Roots when they mm-hmm. have a full band. But a lot of the time you'd see you know you'd see cats you know MCs rhyming or, or doing their songs over a CD player just playing an instrumental, and. Uh, I found that kind of medium really static. You know, I, I, I'd find myself sort of disappointed if I paid for a ticket, went to see somebody and it was almost like a glorified karaoke show. So for mm-hmm. me, it was like, how do I represent myself on stage? How do I represent this art on stage? Also from a selfish point of view where I produce a bunch of beats, I'd go to the show and they would perform over one of my beats and I, 
would be waiting for my shout out or maybe I wouldn't get it or maybe that maybe I didn't like what they did over it or maybe you know a whole bunch of different things I was like I need to figure out a way to represent this art form or what I do in a more maybe visual way or and at the same time contribute to what I kind of saw as like a bit of a you know stiff uh performance medium in a way yeah that's amazing too and it totally makes you a standout uh compared to like a room of like other producers too you know like like you mentioned they could be like in the crowd just waiting or even i've seen some producer battles in the past too and it's like they hit a button and kind of like nod their head where you yeah. have the technology if you wanted to you could press one button and chill but you decide to do it the hard way and make like the beat live in front of you and it's just it's just such a like a sick energy and show <laughs> to it yeah i mean it's funny there's a lot of producers who you know i would lose to in a battle but my stage show would you know, put, would maybe blow them out of the water or something like that. Who knows? But it, it, it did give me a lot of advantages. And again, having done it as early as I did it in the early 2000s, or the middle 2000s, rather, there really weren't a lot of people doing it on that level. There, there were some, I mean, I, I have to shout out Jell from Anticon. I have to shout out Exile uh, from Blue and Exile and different records. Um, but when I was doing it, when, when I was developing it, because I, there were so few of us doing it, just by virtue of that fact, I happened, I would be one, I'm one of the best. I was one of the best in the world doing it for a hot minute, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm thankful that it's become as popular as it has. And there's such an amazing new generation of artists doing it. And, you know, I'm happy to, ha I'm happy to have my page in the, in whatever, whatever strange book that might be. Right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, definitely like one of the pioneers. And um, <laughs> it's, you had to put like a lot of, like I can imagine like so much time into it too because even when I see you perform like whether it's live or in a video you just have like that muscle memory too and like when I'm looking at what you what you're using it just looks like a wall of buttons to me and it's like my brain's like how does he know which one to press and you're <laughs> kind of like crossing your arms sometimes you're playing with your head like hitting it off the thing <laughs> and stuff so um were you really like conscious about like uh, just putting in time and practicing to get like that extra flair and looseness to like what you do? That's funny. That, that, it's a good question. There, there's a few things about it. Um, one thing is with the finger drumming, and that was one of the first things was, was learning how to play drums. And I, I do have a system that I developed that is my own. And I don't, there's really, I haven't seen anybody else, not, not to not say I haven't seen anybody else do it per se, but I definitely developed a, a finger drumming system, which helped me, um, was kind of a staple of what I do. So it, it, it allowed me to be sort of comfortable in a certain pocket and be able to play. And that's, that's key. Um, and, uh, and I definitely spent 10,000 hours doing that. First of all, mm -hmm. absolutely 10,000 hours beyond like well, well beyond that, uh, practicing and doing that. Um, I think I also came out of a time, an era where like in terms of doing performance stuff, you know, unless I had something new to bring, I wouldn't want to necessarily just do the same technique to death. So if you watch one of my shows, I'm not finger drumming the whole show. It, it, it's definitely about mixing it up and trying to like set it up rather. So, you know, for example, like the flaring finger drumming arms flailing stuff, it's really fun to watch. But if I did it for three straight tracks, you'd probably get bored of it. So for me, it was definitely about setting it up and trying to like mix up the techniques a little bit. And, and I guess in some ways, a lot of ways work backwards from 
if I'm a front row at a show, what do I want to see? What am I going to react to? What's going to be the highest impact that I can make on an audience? And then I work backwards on how to achieve it as opposed to working from myself. We're like, well, I want to do this for a while. Or like, I want people that, you know, so that was definitely part of it. And I think, you know, I, I have to say too, that like I was involved in doing battles early on and, and in a, a battle setting is very different than a DJ setting or maybe a typical performance setting where you've got like a panel of judges who are watching every move. And, you know, so there's, there's technical aspects to that. There's like, um, and I drew a lot from the turntablist uh, battle scene where, and, and again, you could honestly, you could probably say, if you wanted to explain what I do, you could, you could probably accurately describe it as I'm doing turntablist battle routines on an NPC because okay. I was taking things, you know, like I was mouthing the words, you know, I would be dissing people and mouthing the words. Mm -hmm. I'm, it's funny. There's an irreverent aspect to it. Um, it moves quickly. It's definitely arranged very much like a battle would be arranged. I, I don't hang on any particular moment too long. It's like, keep changing things like, um, you know, like the best compliment you can get from anyone from an audience member is that the set was too short. And so mm -hmm. I definitely pride myself on trying to like, keep things moving, like, don't linger, you know, stay busy um, and keep changing things and, and, and keep the journey going and, 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 um, and, you know, keep pulling the rugs out, you know, like some, if you've ever been to a club and you've seen a DJ, like, I don't know what they, there's a name for this type of mixing, but like every 90 seconds, they'll just, or every, you know, every 30 seconds, they'll drop a new track. And the mm, quicker, and it's almost like right at the climax and everybody's still yeah. hype. And then it just, boom. <laughs> oh, and it's, it's a definitely a way to kind of, escalate the hypeness of a crowd right like the quicker mm. your transitions like you know you'll see it in a club a dj doing it and the crowd will just go crazy like if it's hit song after hit song after hit song it's like wow wow right every change so um i definitely try to take that and and, and prepare myself that way that's great that's cool to hear your process too especially you're so conscious about the experience like the audience is getting like i've uh talked to like other artists or just met like a lot of like new artists too, where sometimes they get so much in their own head where they're just worrying about like their personal space or whatever, but yeah. like to like, almost like think of it as like, I'm going to bring these people on a ride. Um, mm -hmm. That intention mm -hmm. itself is so powerful, you know, from the get go, even if you don't even have a plan yet, just starting with that and uh, taking it there is just, uh, it's a, that's amazing that you do that. It, it's no coincidence that my, the, the, you know, the, the things that I'm most known for are those routines, which were those battle routines, which were made again with very specifically with an audience member or even a judge in mind. And it's evidence in, you know, you know, for example, Prem Rock and I might work on a record, an art rap record that we would slave over for months. And we traveled across the, you know, across the ocean to go perform in Europe. And there'd be somebody in, you know, Frankfurt or, or, you know, Kelowna who doesn't even speak English as first language. And they'd be, they'd be screaming at me to do the Transformers routine, you know? Mm, yeah. And meanwhile, I've got this like piece of art that I've crafted and I want to play. And it's, no, we want to see the prices, right? We want to see <laughs> Tenacious D, you know? And that's, yeah. that's what a blessing, you know, what a blessing that is. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Even like, uh, right when you said Transformers, I'm like, Oh yeah, he does have a fire one. It's kind of bringing back like <laughs> old memories, and yeah, the whole Price is Right thing too. Yeah, it's fun. That's like even yeah, the influences aren't just music either. It's pop culture and mm -hmm. nostalgia, and like that. What kind of makes them like 
I don't know, like an extra banger, you know, it just kind of hits you like right in the heart and the feels. <laughs> yeah. And you try to, and you know, for me, it was always trying to find sources that were unlikely and also sources that were more me than, than, uh, th- that's the one part of it that I would say maybe isn't, isn't as pandering to an audience in some senses where, you know, um, uh, like for example, CBC asked me to do a tribute to, and they, they gave me a choice. They asked me to either do the, um, tragically hip or, uh, Muhammad Ali and I didn't feel like I was really the guy to do the Muhammad Ali thing because you know again like if you're going to do a tribute to Muhammad Ali there's there's more culturally appropriate uh artists maybe to ask to do that and so I endeavored to try to do the tragically hip because I figured it was a little more in my wheelhouse you know and in terms of like I I grew up listening to rock music and playing guitar and stuff and a nice Canadian boy you know (laughs) yes and I had a hell of a time I could not for the life of me put the tragically hip thing together at all and I ended up switching over to the Muhammad Ali thing, and but making it a comedy thing, making it a thing where he's, you know, he was one of the first battle rappers, put it that way, right? He's yeah. literally on TV rapping in rhyme about his, dissing his opponents in rhyme. And so I kind of used that, that aspect of it and, and, and made that more me. So I, again, I'm trying to, I definitely trying to, to ground things in who I am in terms of picking sources. Like I, I you know, going to take a Tenacious D song and flip it you know, not just because nobody else has flipped it, but because I absolutely love Tenacious D and I'm a huge fan. Um, and I've, that's really made a lot of the difference because, and, and that routine in particular, it's really funny, the reactions I've had. Like when I do the Tenacious D routine, either you don't know who Tenacious D and you don't really care or you don't know whatever, but it still sounds good and it's fun. Or you come up to me on after my show and you grab me by the shoulders and you're like, oh my God, it's Tena- you, I can't believe you did that with Tenacious D. Yeah, the just strongest make it somebody's night. Yeah. yeah, the strongest reactions to the to, to that one where I'm like, I'm really choosing something that is um particular to not I mean to me, but also a particular choice, right? And again, when I started, just last thing I'll say about it is when I started, because people didn't really understand when I was performing what I was doing, um, in the same way that one might, you know, when somebody first saw a, a DJ scratch a record and, and they didn't necessarily uh, understand what that mean, or rather they wouldn't link what they're seeing to what they're hearing. Right. Mm. I would, that happened to me early on. People really didn't understand exactly what I was doing. And so I was, I would try to use things that people knew. So the Led Zeppelin routine was kind of born out of that. Cause if, if you know the source material, then you have a better, like you're coming with me on the journey. You have an understanding of, of what, Oh, he's moving that around and he's doing that. And it, it kind of, it's sort of reaching across the aisle a little bit too, but it is at the same time, it's something that's personal to me. Like, you know, as a guitar player being a huge Jimmy page, like wanting to be Jimmy page when I was a kid, you know? Yeah. It's so cool too. And I never even like thought of it this way too. Um, Even with like these routines and you explaining it too, it's, it just shows that you're genuinely like having fun as well. And that comes off a lot on your performance. Like even I've seen you do a couple, like, I think I've seen you do the Transformers one a couple times, but you always have the energy. Like, this is like the first time I'm doing this, you know? And like, just having that, uh, like it almost always like a pun intended seems like fresh to you, like as you're playing it, <laughs> where some artists I know, like night after night, they can be doing the same song and they start to phone it in, you know, just kind of go through the motions, but it never seems like you're going through the motions. You're just kind of uh, in the moments and connecting with the crowd and everything. 
I, you know, I've, I've always appreciated that observation and that's been made by, by, by people, bef- you know, many actually. And the thing is, that's the one thing about it that I haven't, that I never contrived. I mean, I, I contrive a lot with my set and that I'm very nervous. So I practice a lot, but, um, but yeah, but that actually is genuine, even though I think I've been, I think one of the criticisms of that has, has been that I, you know, it's kind of corny that like I'm smiling so much and I'm, oh, I disagree, but I, man. <laughs> but I really am. I mean, no, but I mean, that really is the genuine side of that. That, yeah. that is like, I'm as much as my set is crafted. The joy of it is absolutely real. Like I'm, I really am having a blast doing it because I mean, it's like a toy. Like I'm, I'm playing this kind of silly toy. And, um, I also just love, I love making beats and I love, I just love the art of it. Like I, you know, I believe sampling is an art form. And I, you know, I know that's can be, I don't think it's as controversial now as it might've been years ago, but I really do genuinely love the art form and I love what I do. And it's just, it's also just insane to me that I can, that I could have made some kind of semblance of a career out of it. Like, the idea that I would be, because I'm an engineer, really. I'm a sound engineer first and foremost. So the, the this side hilarious novelty thing that I was doing, the fact that that would be the thing that would kind of take me all over the world and, you know, um, that would really launch me in, into whatever, whatever, whatever it has become or whatever it's been, um, far exceeded any expectations. So I, I'm literally as amazed on stage and in awe of the whole thing and having a great time as I could be. Cause it's just, it's just so unlikely in so many levels. You yeah. Know? It's so cool. And yeah, I've seen you like uh, in many different rooms, like make the whole place erupt and it's gotta be a really cool feeling of something like maybe you crafted in your bedroom and then all of a sudden you're like in a club and there's hundreds of people just like all watching you and like maybe you'll hit like a transformer sample and everyone's like oh shit let's go <laughs> yeah like that's gotta be like a a feeling that very few people get in this world you know absolutely and and you know what i can count on a hand like that hasn't happened as many times as i would have liked to have had it happen obviously um, there have been shows where, you know, I have had the crowd in the palm of my hand and it's been really hilarious. Like there's a show that my friends out on the West coast will never let me forget, which is I played a, like this huge graffiti party in Oakland. It was in this blown out, like uh, famous graffiti spot, it's like a four story party. It was huge. It was crazy. And they'd never seen me before. And I, I really wanted to make a point. It was my first time out in the Bay area and I did the show and for some reason I made a point to say, I, I wanted people to remember my name. Someone, some manager person had told me to do this. Anyways, I began the show and I was like, my name is for every, so between every, every routine, I was like, what's my name? And the, and I started to get the crowd to go to save fresh kills. By the end of the set, I had literally become drunk on the power of it all. Like I, <laughs> I had like, I was go, I was on the microphone screaming and I'm not like this. I really am. And you know me a bit. Like, I'm not like this. I was literally going, what's my effing name? Like, and the whole crash. Girls. And it was like, it was one of the craziest experiences of my whole life. And it was like, I really did like grow an extra foot tall and like Hulk out. And it was just so funny. Um, but I have to, I have to say like, last thing I'll say about it too, is I do play into it a little bit. Like, I think some of my favorite shows of all time have been where I come in and I look, you know, I'll dress like skinny jeans, like tight. I'll have my nice, my hair out, you know, um, I'm not 
in typical what you might call typical hip hop fashion garb or whatever. Um, and so I definitely get people will assume a certain thing of me, right? Or for example, they'll assume that, oh no, this guy's gonna rap, you know, they're gonna look at oh, this guy's gonna grab a microphone. And I've played into that. I've been known to play into the okay, like you think I'm one thing, but I'm about to completely light this place up. And what's funny Amazing. is if you even if the amount of a leg up that is is hard to to quantify, but it's actually bigger than you might think is in the sense of if you think of something's going to happen and then I do completely the opposite, but I'm doing it on, on a high level. Like I'm not just, I'm not just doing something you're not expecting. It's actually good. Like it's, it's really mm -hmm. legitimately entertaining. Um, the power of that. I've seen that time and time again. And those are my favorite shows actually where I'm, it's not even that the crowd is as crazy into it or not, but where I've really just, just completely obliterated people's expectations. Um, <laughs> That, that really yeah, is the so most cool. fun, you know, but I mean, and it's why I'll like dress in full, I'll do a full metrosexual look <laughs> with my crazy hair. Right. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, this guy's going to be do some weird artsy, you know, thing. And I just bring the hardest beats and it's like, awesome. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like something that people don't forget. Like I, one thing uh, I do enjoy too, when I do see you live too, is looking around at other people and maybe seeing somebody's face who hasn't seen you before <laughs> and just like yeah. their jaw dropping or you just see their brain like slowly melting. You're like, what the <laughs> fuck is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so cool. And um, yeah, even like you, you mentioned some stories of like on your journey of playing live too and even over the years i've noticed uh your name's on many tracks of as a producer credit as well too so yeah around all this too you're putting in a lot of work in the studio and working with like a lot of different people do you want to tell me a little bit about like that lifestyle because i'm sure it's kind of feels a little more on the opposite side where it's more isolated in uh and oh stuff yeah like that yeah i'm a studio rat i'm a career studio rat for sure um, mm -hmm. and it is really funny, the contrast, cause like for many, many years, you know, the better part of a decade or a decade, at least my life was either, I was either in the studio or on the road that, that there was no in between, there were no vacations. There were no, you know, there was no, uh, you know, typical job scenario. It was, it was, it was one of those two things. Um, and that was a blessed, that was definitely a, a, a blessed life and, um, that I've had a blessed career that I've had. Um, I think, uh, you know, being an engineer has is, is, is always been my number one. It's been the foundation upon which I've built everything else, you know, being able to record and mix records and work with artists um, and being a producer, you know, making beats and, but, and producing records. Of course, there's a difference between those two things, but um, I, always, I always sort of put it like this, like, you know, if I had waltzed in on the scene and wanted to be the producer or wanted to be this thing, it might not have worked out as well as, you know, learning how to do some of those, you know, not, not to no one, but not as many people aspire to be an engineer as say aspire to be an artist or a DJ or a performer. Right. Um, and so that always was like, you know, a foundation, not just for, you know, just for, you know, financially as a job, uh, because that's also true, but, but it was also a way to, um, just a great way to engage with other artists, engage with other musicians, you know, put me you know, make myself, well, you know, you make yourself indispensable in some sense, but you're also like, you're delivering a service to an arts community. 
Uh, and, and that's, you know, when I came up in Halifax, that was, that was really the beginning of it all where I was sort of looking around going, well, what, how can I help my friends that are making art? What, what's, what, what can I, how can I contribute? And, you know, I came out there with my little four track and my guitar. And so I was already, you know, making records and it was sort of one, one foot in front of the other leading me down that path to running a studio, running a studio full time. And, uh, and again, you know, working long enough that you, there's luck and there's work, you work hard, you, you do what you can do. And then there's also, you, if you're lucky enough to come in contact with or work with artists that are really doing incredible things that have a real vision, um, as I did with uh, artists like Decisive and Ghetto Socks and other people who, you know, those two ended up that one year in 20, 2012, those two records that I pretty much did, we did entirely in my little bedroom. Wow. Um, were nominated for Juno's uh, for best rapper. I mean, that's that, that in and of itself, like two of the five, that's 40% of the Canadian rap nominations were done in my little home studio at, in 2011. So that was that's a real achievement. Amazing. And, and, um, but you know, as much as it was an achievement in terms of all of the work and the hard work that went in there, you know, there's like 10 years of work before that learning. And, and there's just luck that I, that I would end up crossing paths with artists like decisive and ghetto socks that, that really have a vision. And I, I would, I, I think the difference being the vision is really the, the, the thing that makes the difference between a, I think a successful artist and, and a, an artist that has maybe has talent uh, is a talented writer is a talented, you know, but, but an artist with vision is going to be able to kind of, um, I don't know, there's like an ephemeral extra percentage that they add to ev absolutely every step. Mm -hmm. uh, if they have vision, if that makes sense. So I've been, I've been lucky in that way. Yeah, it's so cool. And yeah, I agree with the whole vision thing too, because there's been projects where I fucked around with and it's just, oh, I'm winging this or doing it for other reasons, but it didn't have like that core seed or whatever. But sometimes when you just have those intentions and take the first step with like a bigger intention, like just magic starts happening, even mm -hmm. if you don't know where it's going to end up. And sometimes like during the journey of whether it's recording or something else, um, it can even like change into something else, but just kind of going with that uh, spirit and intentions and overall mm -hmm. vision, it could be such a powerful tool for somebody. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in that process, there's a lot of almost counterintuitive steps, you know, in some ways. And, and those are those things where, you know, like with, I use, I always use this example of ghetto socks where, if you look at his records, it's like the, the, the album sounds like the, like sounds like the photos look, you know, mm. uh, reads like the interview, you know, like it's, it's a top to bottom, you know, like he dresses the way the album looks, you know, stuff like this, like there's a totality, there's a holistic approach to it where every step has that intention sort of put into it. And that th those are those transcendent things and that's what I, that's what I was sort of trying to do, you know, with some of the routines and some of what I was doing where, how do I, can I, first of all, can you get outside of your, can you be half outside yourself and half inside yourself so that you can, can you, um, can you be of service to the art in, in its best form? And can you also infuse it with the intention that is truly yourself, right? And, and, and unabashedly yourself and honest. Um, that's a tough balance, right? It's, it's a real, that in and of itself is an art form too. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's kind of cool to hear uh, your roots with that and everything. And uh, yeah, recently you just released a disclaimer. Like, was it two weeks ago or 
this week or oh, Lord. It's you had the party weeks, like a couple weeks, weeks ago, ago right? yeah. yeah 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 two three weeks ago yeah yeah I'm, I'm sad I couldn't make it I saw it like uh kept popping up on my timeline I was working and then just I work in production so weekends sometimes are hard for me like later nights too and it just mm -hmm. like became like almost like one in the morning i'm like i think this is over by now <laughs> yes definitely <laughs> yeah. i was exhausted oh my god by one o'clock i was i was out of it that night <laughs> yes yeah so uh yeah like tell me a little bit about this project it's cool like i see some familiar names of some local rappers on it and uh mm -hmm. artists and even um just i kind of want to know like uh, what inspired you to make your own fresh kills album yeah i mean Part of, yeah, so one of the things that we were talking about all these routines is like I was talking about how working from the audience backwards and what I've done so few times in my life and almost not almost never, but close to that is like worked from, you know, from from here and like, what is it that I particularly want to say, you know, again, as as an engineer and a producer, you're uh, you're you're in shotgun a lot of the time, let's say, in terms of the, the process. And so. You know, I, as long as, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing this for over two decades now. And for this to be my first solo debut release is, is, is saying something. Now, I've put out beat tapes before and I've, I've done routines and stuff like that. And I've done a lot of collaborative work. But being, doing my own work, um, that was, that's been a challenge. And it's been a challenge in the sense of, and I, I, I always go back to this. There's a Nina Simone interview where she talks about she's asked sort of what she thinks her role is or what her job is as, as an artist. And she's very clear about that. And as Nina Simone is such, so, such an incredible visionary artist, she, she talks about how her job is to reflect the times in which she lives. And that really kind of set me back. Cause at the time I was thinking about it, I was like, what, what exactly do I want to say about my time? How, how does my music is going to reflect that? And what, what do I really want to say as a producer? I can't really say anything cause I'm not going to sing a rap. Um, so what's my music going to reflect? And so that was, a that was part of the journey was, was, was trying to figure out what I was going to do and then getting over myself. So disclaimer really is about the reason it's called that is I very self-deprecating. I'm very, uh, you know, I have, I suffer from the imposter syndrome a lot of, you know, not necessarily feeling that I'm, you know, that I'm as valuable or that I'm as, 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 you know, that does, that's the classic self-doubt that an artist has. And I would very, very frequently, when if I were to play you something that I was working on, I would always disclaim, there'd be a ton of disclaimers, right? It'd be like, I relate not, to this so much. <laughs> right. It's not mixed yet. It's there's yeah. still work. I'm still working on it. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not sure about this part. You know, I would kind of like disclaim away its worth. And I would do this. My, mm. my old partner, Fresh uh, Uncle Fester in the extremities used to, used to get so mad at me because we'd, be, we'd do an interview and I would be disclaiming away the value of the record that we just put out. He'd be like, what are you doing? And so this record was really about me trying to get over all that and, and just put out. And again, what I ended up doing was putting out the best 12 songs, the, the, song, the, the 12 songs or 12 pieces of music that I just loved the most that I'd worked mm. on. And it was That's about amazing. kind of, getting rid of that and just being like, you know what, this is who I am as a, this is who I am as an artist. This, this is, this is what I want to do. This is how I feel about it. This is what I want to say. And of course that's a, a varied, it's, it's not necessarily, I think it has a sound. I think it's me, but I think the record is, um, it also represents a, a sort of, uh, a, a sort of plethora of influences and, and interests that I felt like was important for me to, to represent. Um, 
And, uh, and so I, yeah, so I went for it and that's really what it is. The, the record is like a, you know, this is, this is my artistic statement as, as fresh kills. This is the stuff that I love making. This is who I am. And it is different from the routines that you might, you might associate with me. And I'm sort of come to this point where I'm comfortable enough with myself and, and, and happy enough with the material I put out to put it out and, and really stand behind it. Yeah. Hell yeah. And yeah, I personally think it's awesome. Gave it uh, a listen front to back to, and like, like you did mention, there is like a lot of like diversity to different sounds too and stuff like where it'll sure. open with the guitar and then next thing you know it kind of goes like the hip-hop and then there's like something the more dancey but it still has a cohesiveness to like i don't know just like it all fits like a puzzle which i i don't know if it's just something you're doing with the production that i don't understand or like the backbone of the beats and but there's just something where it just flows nicely so uh, I, I'm pretty sure you put like a lot of time in like track orders and stuff like that. <laughs> I, it, it's funny. Or maybe not. Say, no, no, you're <laughs> absolutely, you know, it, it's amazing to hear you say that because I, I really didn't know what the hell to do with the track listing. And, and, <laughs> and you'll notice if you buy the record, if, if, and please do go buy and buy the vinyl. But on the vinyl, what I did was I grouped the instrumental songs on side A and put all the feature artists on side B because. Ah. Again, for even more cohesiveness there, I figured, well, you know, you put side A on and you relax and then side B is more hype. Um, and I had a lot of meetings. Well, yeah, and I did that because I was a little unsure about the track listing. Again, having so many varied songs, the track listing was was impossible. Like it was so hard to figure out where, where am I, where am I going to put this Roots Reggae song? Like what am I going to do with that song? Like it's clearly going to be a left turn no matter where you put it. How do I set it up? Um, of course I'm from that era of, of, of album. Like I like, I like listening to albums. I know we're in a, a singles era right now. Um, but so, you know, it's amazing to hear you say that because it was very hard to put the track listing together. <laughs> I second guessed it so many times and I, it's, it's, it's amazing to hear you say, that. I feel like part of that is, I think because I came from the intention of like, this is who I, this, this is, this is the material that I like. Uh, which is different than what other people are going to like. I mean, people do not all agree on, you know, and you, you've probably gone through this where you make, you make a bunch of stuff and then the thing you like least is something that someone else's favorite. It's like, yeah. Okay. Well, I wasn't going to let that happen. I, I was going to put out the records that I loved. And I think because I stuck to that intention, that maybe speaks to the, the, the cohesiveness of it. Um, and I do think that I can't describe it to you. You'd have to describe it to me what the sound is. I think there is a sound to it. Mm -hmm. And there are things that I, there are things that I hang my hat on musically, um, that I think, you know, there's maybe a through, uh, a through point through some of the, the material. Um, but I really appreciate you saying that because that, that was one of the hardest things to do was to how to sequence the record and how to make it like how to cohese the whole thing. Um, and I had meetings with marketing people, Spotify people being like, well, don't put out a variety record because they'll deprioritize, you know, the, the algorithm will deprioritize your release because they won't know where to put it genre wise. Oh, damn. <laughs> and I, I took, I had one and too many of those meetings and just said, screw it. I'm going to mm. like, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to put out what I want to put out. Yeah. Um, like, again, like I, I, I find like, uh, that's interesting that you say that because a lot of, uh, people i i've met through the music industry they are kind of working with the algorithm bending it in ways and stuff like that you and even i learned a couple of things that i'm trying to do with like the podcast and little clips and shit like that but sure. also sometimes 
there's moments where you have to say fuck it and make what you want to make because that's what's truly unique and uh yeah i know sometimes you got to play the game but sometimes something will just become a smash hit because it doesn't sound like everything else you know it stands yeah. out of the out in like this brush of all the same things it's like a rose popping out of like a wheat field or something yeah fuck man well i feel pretty i feel pretty secure in the fact that you know i've done a lot of pan like i don't not pandering but like my routines are really for for y'all you know (laughs) yeah i've i've paid my dues in that sense where i felt comfortable you know at at my age as well i'm just being like you know what I'm, i'm just gonna I'm going to put out, and I got to tell you, it's, it was, it's been really freeing because I do feel like in some sense it's divided some of my, what what you might consider my fans. I think not divided, but I don't think everybody loves it. Uh, But I've at the same time, I don't think I've ever been more at peace with, with putting something out and putting a record out like this, because I mean, I do honestly, like this is really disclaimer really is who, who I am. Uh, despite what you've seen on stage, this whole, you know, the, the, mm. that's in my wheelhouse, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to rock the crowd and do some tenacious D and tra- like, I'm going to mix it up and, and have the heavy impact stuff, but I'm inside. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an artist, man. And I have <laughs> yeah. heart and a soul that I want you, I want to show you. So <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Even this topic too, it's, it's kind of cool because it's connecting to a guest I had on my last episode, who was a, a filmmaker. And actually when, I watched this movie. It was like totally unique, its own thing. And during the credits, there was a quote from a drama teacher he had and dedicated it to her and stuff like that. And I actually loved the quote so much. I took a screenshot on my phone and it's my background, but it says (laughs) uh, apparently like he, this teacher would have like a mantra when they were like in their class together. And Mm -hmm. it said, make something you're proud of. And if nobody, if it, and if nobody likes it, fuck them. And he, he, uh, <laughs> he explained it as like the teacher would say the beginning part and the whole class would say, fuck them before they <laughs> like would do like a performance and stuff like that. And almost like, uh, getting in the spirit of, uh, he mentioned not like literally like fuck you audience type of thing, but no, more no. like we're making this, to cause we want to do this. This is what yes. entertains us as well. And yeah. Everything. That. yeah and i i feel like i earned that i mean i think mm-hmm. it's probably i i done myself somewhat of a disservice over the years not thinking or not feeling like i could could do that you know and so mm-hmm. you know i'm again I, I couldn't be happier with with the way that it's it's come out and i i i can i can go to bed like i can go to bed at night i can sleep well knowing that hey i just i put out the music that i loved and you know if it resonates great and if not that's okay i mean i'm you know Am I yeah. in the twilight of my career? I don't know what that even means. Like, you know, <laughs> it's a young man's game. Um, you know, I, I think that's another thing is like, I don't think I've ever been more at peace about this, the younger generation of artists right now that are like, I'm just continually amazed uh, at the talent and like the young people with their hearts in the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And just like, you know, I don't think I've ever been more at peace, like handing the torch, you know, giving the torch over like, and, and, and I'm saying that too, in a distinct, as a distinct departure from typically what is like the older generation pointing at the kids and being like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Um, I don't feel that way at all. I, I, I am continually inspired and blown away by the young talent that I encounter 
on a daily basis, whether that's online or, or in Toronto in the community. Like, um, so have I left, have I left the world in a better spot than I, than I found it? It, it to whatever degree that's true or to whatever responsibility I have to that. I, I feel I'm at peace and comfortable with that. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. I also noticed, I don't know if you noticed this too, because kind of me just on the outside looking into the Toronto hip hop scene over like the last decade. And even when I moved here, I noticed like a lot of like the people on top, there was a, a waves of like a bit of like a negative energy, even like to the point where people used to call the city, the screw face capital. Oh, it's still and screw face capital. Yeah. You, you think sure. so? Cause I Absolutely. feel like it, it might just because now like I'm, really conscious of the type of people I let into my circle I see like a lot of like more positivity with the older yes. generation that I did now and I feel yes. like a lot of the positive people are the leaders now where before it wasn't right. like there's like a huge shift and one person that comes to mind is like Junior T I got his uh, bottle of beer right beside me on my mantle oh, here and yes. he's kind of like such a Dang. leader and like guys like you and shit like that it's just like that whole wave of just good vibes are kind of like the leaders of uh whether it's like producing and putting actually putting other artists on too which you've done with your album too you got different artists and all that and yeah no i i i think you hit the nail on the head i think you're absolutely right and i think junior is such a great is the one probably the greatest current example of this in that a couple of things one i've known june's man good lord i've known june for at least 20 years now uh, he, his album Studio Monk was a direct inspiration for me to make disclaimer and to, for a lot of different reasons. But but number one, putting out a producer record is is hard to do, right? Mm -hmm. It's and it's like I said before, it's like you're 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 automatically a backseat driver, right? If you you know when you have artists on your records, so like you're trying to represent the album from the backseat as a producer, and so that poses certain challenges marketing wise and otherwise. And what Junes has been able to do as a producer with Studio Monk is unprecedented, I think, in a lot of ways. I, I think I've, I've never seen a producer record do what his record has done in a certain way. So that that is a, that his record really made me feel like I could do it. Um, and so again, too, he's younger than me, so I, I will we'll say that we, we I can call him the younger generation, even though he's an OG now. But um, that was a direct inspiration. And to your point about putting people on. I mean, it was always a thing, right? In Toronto, especially in Toronto, but, but everywhere in the industry where mm -hmm. you couldn't put anybody on until you were on. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you know, especially in Canada, that's really hard to do. Um, you've really got to like forge ahead to get somewhere to get a leg in wherever you've got to at the highest level before you can bring anybody with you. Um, and I, I don't know whether that's as true as, as it, as it, was i think it definitely was was more true than it is now mm -hmm. um but being able to bring people along with you has always been you know again like as a producer and as an engineer you know i'm in service to, to artists and other people all the time and so that's my natural inclination that's why i got into this that's why i got it because i want to be part of the process and i want to help people make records and so um when that process itself is being celebrated um it's a it's a special thing and it's also when producers succeed, like the scene is, it's a sign of a stronger scene to, to your point. It's a sign of a, of a more positive, supportive um, environment and, and, and community that, that a record like that can succeed that way. And so 
you know, to, to whatever degree that that's, that's true of my record as well. I'm, I'm proud of that. And I'm proud to be part of, 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 of that, that particular part of Toronto for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Definitely like guys, like both of you, like definitely set that example too. And even like, I felt like back in the day of it too, it's almost like some people would have the attitude, like one person's success is going to take away my success, but it's really not like that. And I'm seeing like a lot of like different artists and even people meeting for the first time being like, Oh, you do this. I do this. Let's, let's work together. Let's work together. And there's like so many, like, there's like a plethora of like tracks where I'm like almost having a hard time keeping up sometimes of mm -hmm. uh, just people just collabing. And I just feel like Toronto, uh, um, whether you call it like the underground or what, whatever the core hip hop is, is it's like really in a healthy place right now. Uh, absolutely. I, I think it's healthier than it's ever been. I, it's always interesting because we always think about it like, cause we're inside it, you know, um, and that's another reason why traveling and touring was a big, you know, was, was a, a big deal for me, especially at the time. But but I look back at those experiences and going into other scenes and it, inevitably you compare. Um, and so I wonder, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think Toronto is in a great spot right now. Um, I think it's it's incredible the amount of talent we have here and the support has been great. Um I don't know. I, you know, I don't know if you compare that. Like, I don't know. I don't live in Montreal. I don't live in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how that is. I don't know how New York, you know, I have friends live in New York to tell me about it, but um, it's always interesting to, to think about like, how, how does it, how does that contrast? Like, are we in better shape? Are we in worse shape? Probably doesn't matter, but um, yeah, but I'm, I'm super happy that we are where we are as, yeah, as Toronto, as a community here. Yeah. Yeah. Killing it. And, Again, you can only control like your environment too, but like mm -hmm. just doing that like can totally lead an example. And uh, it's cool. Absolutely. I also noticed um, you're gonna be touring a bit. Like you're going to Winnipeg, I believe. I saw that, and uh, yeah. I wanted to ask too. I noticed like Roshan's on the bill. Are you gonna be playing like a song the, that song off the album? Are you gonna be playing more of the album, or are you gonna stick to like kind of like your routines, mix it up? Like what's the, Oof, there's a whole bunch of interesting things going on with that. So yeah, we, we're going to be doing a, a short little run in January, Regina, uh, Winnipeg and Saskatoon. And it's actually kind of a mix up because in Regina, I've been asked specifically to do my routine set, which, so I think they want me, they want me to do the classic kind of high impact, fun routine stuff. There's a Transformers fan in Regina. Who <laughs> exactly. <you> <laughs> yeah. And he's gotta be, he's gotta be made happy. Right. Yeah. Um, can't leave him behind. So yeah. So, yeah. so Regina, that's going to be that situation in Winnipeg. What's really great. And speaking of Junior T, I'm working with a couple of artists. So I've been doing a lot of stuff with my trio, which, um, is sort of, uh, I have a keyboard player and a sax player that play with me. And I've sort of plugged and play. I've worked with different keyboard players and horn players over the years. Um, and it's such an, like for me as a performer, as a beat maker, it really is kind of like this fantasy that I had when I started was, how can I really do this thing live? And performing with the trio, which I did for my release show, was such an unbelievable experience. Being a band leader is different. Like we're reacting to one another. Um, and as a beat maker, that's special and different. And it, that, that, that privilege isn't lost on me. So, but so for Winnipeg, what I'm doing and different than Regina is I'm actually going to be working with, and this is secret right now. So, uh, revealing it on the show, there's two members of, of an amazing band out there called super duty, tough work that are going to play with me. Junior T actually produced their latest record. It's going to be coming out in the new year. Wow. Really excited about the record. They're, they're awesome. And they're, two of them, the keyboard player and the Barry Sax player, Oli, you're going to sit in with me. 
going to have a trio set in Winnipeg. Um, we'll do some of the record, but we're going to keep it pretty live and, and free. And then, and Saskatoon, I think I'll probably do a different, I'll probably do a different set and play more. It'll be some solo stuff, some routine stuff, but I'll mix it up. And again, to be able to do that on a tour to play three different shows, I'm not doing the same thing every night is just a, a, a privilege and a challenge that I, that I enjoy. So we're looking forward to that. The other exciting thing is in Toronto, I should say is I believe it's the 26th or 7th um, of January. I'm going to be playing this incredible uh, producer night in Toronto. It's the 26th. Oh, sick. Called, called Pattern Select. Um, and it is like the de facto producer uh, event in Toronto. It's a, it's an amazing monthly uh, run by uh, my guy, Astro Mega. And I'm performing that night with Obuxum, who is unbelievable producer. Uh, she's, she's incredible. She's also a, a label mate on Urbnet. Um, so definitely come check that out. And, and, uh, and again, for, that's going to be a different set as well. Cause that's strictly for the beat heads. So I'm going to have to get real crazy on like the hard, heavy, heavy flips for that set. So it, it's a different thing every night for me. Thank Thank goodness. Nice. Yeah, that sounds fire too. I'm going to have to check my schedule. Hope I'm not booked for an event that day because I missed the last one. And yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm due to see a set, man. Uh, always yeah. love your energy and everything too. And uh, yeah, I just want to say too, it's, uh, it's cool to hear your story because uh, I've always known you in like passing throughout all the years too. And I know what you do. I see what you do, but I, I didn't have the superhero origin story to it. And now <laughs> <laughs> we got that captured. And I'm glad, it, I'm glad it came out of superhero, man. You never know. Sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. could have gone either way. Right. <laughs> oh, definitely. You're, you're one of Toronto's heroes to me too, man. And uh, <laughs> I just, I just want to say like, uh, yeah, I appreciate your time too to share this with us as well. And um, yeah, definitely uh, let, let people know uh, where they can find you on the socials and uh, sure. where they can get the vinyl and all that. Um, so Find me at, uh, at freshkills.com, F-R-E-S-H-K-I-L-S.com. Uh, uh, go there for all things Fresh Kills, uh, for vinyl, the store, for updates, routines, everything. Um, and I'm most socials, almost all socials, I'm at Fresh Kills, F-R-E-S-H-K-I-L-S. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, the vinyl can be purchased uh, on Bandcamp at, at fresh-kills.bandcamp, which is the Herbnet uh, version of, of Bandcamp for me, but you can also find that on my Bandcamp, freshkills.bandcamp.com. So do pick it up. There's a limited amount of vinyl left. Um, it's a beautiful embossed cover. Um, uh, incredible artwork done by my man, Pete, Peter Diamond. Uh, from He's from actually from Fredericton, but lives in Vienna, Austria. Incredible illustrator. Yeah, crazy uh, cover, man. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, amazing work, man. He's yeah. really blessed with the cover. So pick pick up that vinyl if you can, because there's, there's only a few copies left. And uh, and um yeah and you know there's gonna be some exciting stuff announced next year so keep in touch keep on it and uh thanks so much for having me man i really appreciate it yeah anytime i can't believe how fast this hour went by man it feels like <laughs> we've been talking for 10 minutes but uh dude yeah again thank you for your time and uh and yeah hope you have a great day thank you too man much love Hope you enjoyed today's episode with Fresh Kills. Like we mentioned, he's got an album out right now. Disclaimer, check it out. All streaming platforms. If you can afford it, go to Bandcamp. And I think for you collectors, he's got some vinyls as well. And get on that before they sell out. This was such a fun talk, uh, like I mentioned in the intro. We've always crossed paths over the years. 
and maybe I've seen him at a party here and there, but I never really got to deep dive into his craft and just learn on another level of so many things I've already appreciated about his live show and his work and everything. Truly a pioneer in the pillar in the Toronto hip hop community and much respect to Fresh Kills. And before we go, and before we go, like always, I gotta thank all you absolute legends on the Patreon page. First up, the co-producer, Jeremy Hopkin of Hopkin Design, Amanda McKnight of Top 10 Nerd, Ryan Watkins of Ryan Radio, the wonderful Jenny Potter, Devin McBride, Ryan frickin' Campbell, Mike Ulio, the glorious Saber. Look up Saber if you want to hear some good tunes. And last but not least, Francis Coffer, a.k.a. my mom. If you want to shout out at the end of these episodes and get all these episodes early, raw, and uncut, right when I'm done the Zoom call, I just post them. You can go to the Patreon page at patreon.com slash thecreativeimbalance. It's only a couple bucks, and at the end of the day, Go to bed at night knowing you're a badass motherfucker who supports independent media. I thank you so much, and we got some more episodes recorded. And I'm even looking at the next one. Oh, this is a good one. So um, stay tuned, and we'll get at you real soon. Goodbye. <laughs>